1: Exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council.
2: The Large Nerdron Collider Podcast is a production of iHeartRadio.
0: Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider, the podcast that's all about the geeky stuff happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about it. I'm Ariel Gaston, and with me as always is Jonathan the Spine Tingler like No, that sounds horrible. I'm going to take that back.
2: <laughs> no, no, that back I like it. I, 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 no, no, I like it. I'm going to be the Spine Tingler. Watch <laughs> out. I'll tingle your spines. Ooh. I'm like <laughs> William Castle. You come in and watch a movie, and I. St- I'm just sitting there going (laughs) up and down your spine. It's like 4D movies sitting with Jonathan Strickland. Hi, I'm Jonathan. Hi, Jonathan. Uh, Hey, Ariel. Yes, I got a question for you. Okay, Ariel, we are well and truly in the spoopy season, so you've got a spoopy question to answer. Not really spoopy, Mm -hmm. but what is a fun movie or television special that you typically like to watch around Halloween?
0: Well, uh, there are many movies that are kind of scary, but fun that I like to watch, but many of them are like Christmas movies like gremlins. Um, or I didn't, I didn't watch until as much later. Like I didn't watch Beetlejuice until I want to say like the last five, 10 years. Wow. So Yeah, my and now I really want to go see the musical. But my favorite like holiday, Halloween, fall day special to watch is it's The Great Pumpkin, Charlie Brown.
2: An excellent answer. A truly excellent Mm -hmm. answer. I also have a deep appreciation and love for that special, just as I do the Peanuts Christmas special. But The Great Pumpkin is it's got a special place in my heart. I mean, like. I still will say I got a rock, you know, quoting Charlie Brown and his trick or treat misadventures. Uh, So you want to talk a little (laughs) bit about what you love about that show?
0: Yes. What I like about it is it's a fun way to enjoy Halloween and still leave out of watching it feeling uplifted. I I mean, really, that's what it is. It's 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 uh, happy and it's nostalgic and I love the the Peanuts gang, the Charlie Brown gang, as it were like, it's hard for me to just put my finger on it. It's one of those things that I, I think I watched since I was very, very young. So it's it's just like synonymous with fall for me.
2: It's a great answer. It's a it's it's fantastic. Uh, I love that one, too. Uh, but another one I try and watch every year is Halloween. The original okay. John Carpenter Halloween um, it still holds up. Still very, very atmospheric and scary movie is not like a lot of people think of it because of they'll say it's like a, a slasher film. Like it was the movie that started that really started the slasher category. I mean, you had Texas Chainsaw Massacre before Halloween, but I would argue that Halloween's not really a slasher film. There's not much gore in it at all, which I think of as being a hallmark of your typical slasher films like Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street and all that kind of stuff. But it is atmospheric and creepy, and it's kind of like Jaws, where the camera spends time looking at dark spaces, and you're never really sure if there's something there or not. In fact, spoiler alert, that's how the movie ends. You are given the feeling that Michael Myers has survived his <laughs> his uh, attack like at the end of the film and you don't know where he is. And you feel like the camera is trying to tell you where he is, but you can't see anything. And to me, that's really super creepy.
0: Yeah. See, I was going to say, you know, that's one of the ones that I've never watched and maybe I should until you said, you know, it leaves you saying, is there something there? I'm afraid of the dark. Like that's that and spiders are my big fears. Yeah. And so, um, yeah. Did you
2: ever, maybe did you ever know. watch arachnophobia?
0: Absolutely not, my friend.
2: That's a great Absolutely movie. Not. John Goodman is so good in it. Oh, it's no, such you, a good movie.
0: You know, it's you know a great scary movie. Dylan Dog, Dead of Night.
2: <laughs> I have never... It I don't think I've even heard of that one. Deals with It deals with werewolves
0: and zombies. It's, it's actually a comic book and it's kind of like a detective comic book. It's a really bad movie, but I really love it. It's got Peter Stormare and Tay Diggs and Sam Huntington and Brandon Roof in it. Like... It's a crazy cast, and it's a really bad movie. Like, I love it. I own it. Mm. I just call it scary because of its quality and also uh, because um, there are monsters in it. They have the brilliant line. uh, You know what they say about werewolves? They love the trees.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, you know. Because they're
0: lycanthropes. Well, they don't explain that. I'm just guessing it's because werewolves are lycanthropes.
2: No, oh, I thought it was because, you know, dogs have to lift their leg and that would make more tent- sense. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like if you just see if you just see uh, an actor standing with his back <laughs> to you facing a tree, you're like werewolf, totally werewolf, mark in territory. Um, yeah. OK, well, now that we have have covered that important part of our mm-hmm. episode, it's time for us to move on to the news. And the first thing we want to talk about is actually It's just a reaction to something that came out. It was a a clip from uh, a property beloved by both Ariel and myself, Animaniacs.
0: Yes. So the new Animaniacs series, which honestly, I don't love as much as the old Animaniacs series. I don't know if it's just because it's, you know, my time versus the new time and Mm -hmm. I'm old and cranky, or if it's just, uh, because and it's not what I expected, or if it's just not quite hitting me. Right. Um, I've heard mixed reviews from some of our friends, but this new clip hits me perfectly. It is a spoof on Thundercats. It is the best thing out of the new Animaniac series. Like, hands down, I don't care what else they come out with, this is gonna be my favorite thing forever.
2: <laughs> yeah, Now the the clip shows the the Animaniac siblings as thundercats like characters while a thundercats like song is playing in the background that's just referencing the 80s over and over Mm -hmm. and over again and just like it is definitely sending up the the trend of 80s nostalgia and um and i love it like 80s nostalgia is a weird thing anyway. In fact, now we're moving into 90s nostalgia, which is also weird to me. I guess Mm -hmm. it's weird for every generation as they get older to see the stuff that they grew up with coming back into fashion. But 80s in particular, like when I look back on the 80s and the entertainment that was produced in the 80s, man, there was a lot of stuff that would just not. I mean, it was not good then, but people weren't necessarily uh, woke to it. And I hate using that word. But, you know, you watch like some of that 80s entertainment now and you're like, wow, that's super not cool that that joke they just made. Um, yeah. So it's weird for me to see nostalgia for it. 90s has a lot. of I mean, we're, one of the stories we didn't even touch on is the fact that there's going to be a, a sequel to that 70s show called That 90s Show. And that's just like, no. Yeah, no, I it kills me. I missed that. Oh yeah, and I'm no, mad I didn't. That you told me, I didn't put it in the lineup because I was like, this is too depressing. So <laughs>
0: you, you, you want? Well, it was too depressing. You wanted to shield me from it, and then you said it anyhow.
2: Thanks, what well, If it makes you feel better, <laughs> Ariel, I lived through the seventies, so I, <laughs> I have connections <laughs> to both of those shows, and you only have Listen. connections to one.
0: <laughs> well. Now two. But, well, you say that, but, like, I was watching a commercial the other day. Yes, I still watch commercials. And uh, they played a song from, like, the early 50s on it. And I knew all the lyrics. But if I go to a karaoke bar, which I, you know, I haven't done in a while, but if I go to a karaoke bar and I try to sing something that's current that I've listened to a thousand times, I can't give you one, like, one solid phrase without messing it up. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I wasn't even alive in the 50s. Why is this the music I remember?
2: Yeah, it just becomes a cultural touchstone. But yes, uh, the Animaniacs totally tapped into that with the Mm -hmm. Thundercats parody. And I don't know what the heck is going on in context with the rest of the cartoon, because this is just a little excerpt. But like you, I felt like this was fun and funny and silly in a way that reminds me of the classic uh, Animaniacs show.
0: The um the animation style did as well. Um, I know the first season of the new series kind of felt a little more Ren and Stimpy to me, and this felt a little more original series. So yeah. I liked it.
2: Well, moving on, we also you know at the end of a uh, the the movie Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two, there's this mm-hmm. post little credit sequence where we see a sarcophagus that is clearly uh, Adam Warlock inside of it, Adam Warlock being a, an important, uh, very powerful character in the Marvel universe, kind of like on the level of Captain Marvel supposed to be a perfect being, uh, like in the comics, just like vision, Adam Warlock is the, the, uh, the vessel for one of the infinity stones, the soul stone. Um, but we've been waiting since then for any kind of Mention of him like we thought he was going to be showing up at any time now. And now we have confirmation that Adam Warlock will be in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, and we even know who's going to play him.
0: Yes, Will Poulter, who some of you might know from Black Mirror or We're the Millers or Detroit or uh, Dope Sick. I think those are kind of like his biggest things. I guess Maze Runner, if you watched Maze Runner. But I know him from Son of Rambo, which m- might have been his first like big film appearance. Uh, it's definitely the first one on his IMDb, which I actually thought was Son of R-A-M-B-O, but it's Son of R-A-M-B-O, but it's Son of R-A-M-B-O-W. <laughs> it's
2: a different Rambo. Um,
0: different Rambo, but not entirely. It's a little independent movie, and it was... An absolute delight, and he kind of played like the the rough and tumble kid, and I at like super imaginative. I absolutely loved him, and so now every time I see him in something, I like I absolutely love him, whether I liked the movie or not. Um, <laughs> I could think it's a bad movie, and his character's a bad character, and for some reason he still just touches my heart. I,
2: so. I love I love that. Well, one that Tybalt has decided that he is the third co-host of this show, and two uh, yep. that so far we have covered two movies that you have talked about not being good but that you have a genuine love for which oh, i'm all on. i think on board. son of
0: rambo's really good okay i think it's good if i said it was bad i didn't mean to say that
2: <laughs> maybe that was my misinterpretation i'm sure that's no. not that's not how it came across like i expected it to be than- the
0: actual son of rambo and it's not <laughs> it's some kid who who plays at it and um it, it wasn't what i expected but it was really good I quite
2: enjoyed it. Uh, I am happen. looking forward to finding out what the MCU version of Adam Warlock is and how he fits into, you know, the, the, the overall story in general. Uh, I also just really look forward to seeing the final Guardians of the Galaxy film, at least in its, you know, current lineup. Cause we know that certain characters are not going to come back after volume three. So I, I'm, I am, uh, I'm, I'll be glad to see how it wraps up. I'm sure I'm going to be sad to see certain characters Mm -hmm. depart.
0: Well, it just, the Christmas special come out before or after three
2: Christmas special comes out before. So there is that one. I didn't count that one because I forgot that it (laughs) exists, but no, it comes out. That comes out at the end of this year and guardians of the galaxy volume three obviously comes out later.
0: Speaking of forgetting something that, I keep forgetting about is the Netflix Lost in Space, which is maybe why this third season is its last season. I think it's the third season.
2: It is. It is the third season. It is listed as Lost in Space 3. Uh, I had not watched any of these, so I used to watch the old series in reruns. I wasn't, it wasn't playing while I was a kid. I'm not that old. Um, Mm -hmm. It was in reruns by the time I was watching it. And I love the old series, um, but I had never watched the new one. So I watched this trailer literally going in just knowing the little bits I had read about the reboot. Um, Mm -hmm. I gotta say, the trailer looks like an incredible science fiction trailer. The tone Mm -hmm. is way more serious than the original series was, which was kind of campy in parts. I mean, there was like adventure and there were stakes, but it was also kind of campy. Mm -hmm. This did not come across as campy at all, but it looked... It looked really good.
0: It's super beautiful. So I watched part of the first season. I actually didn't stop watching it because I didn't like it. I just ran out of time and then got distracted by a castle, like a goldfish. But the first season, a, a lot of people I know who like the original series thought that it was a little too dark. You know, they wanted something more uplifting, family travel in space-ish. You know, there can certainly be dark moments and, and scary adventures and things, but it was it was just a little bit bleaker than I think some of the people I know were expecting. And I heard that season two was supposed to be more uplifting, less bleak, more like the family going on adventures, like what everybody expected. So this third trailer really did take me by surprise. Um, but you're right. It looks absolutely beautiful. The The CGI, the, the um, landscaping, the world building in this series is absolutely stunning. Uh, I actually have it on my short list to go back and start from the beginning of season one so that I can catch up and watch the entire thing.
2: Yeah. I have a feeling this is one that I'm going to need to go and check out because it's also good to know from the outset, like this is a totally different tone from Mm -hmm. the original series. Um, And I've never seen the movie, so I wouldn't be able to compare it against the film version.
0: You talk about like the 90s movie that was absolutely horrible.
2: Was that Gary Oldman was in that one? Wasn't (laughs) he? It
0: very dark. Uh,
2: I I never saw it. It's darker
0: and not as bad. So
2: yeah, but uh, but yeah, kind of a, a tentative thumbs up from me, someone who has not watched any of the series, but is interested. We have one last little story we want to talk about before we go into break, and that is that we both watched a movie trailer for a 2022 film, the sequel to Scream 4, titled Scream.
0: Mm -hmm. Let me just tell you. So I'd watched the first Scream, I think, no less than four years, no more than four years ago, maybe three uh, for the first time ever. I've only seen the first one. I started to watch it. And then I got too scared in the opening sequence. I got too anxious and I had to turn it off. And it took me a full year to revisit it. And this trailer starts with a similar scene. And I had all the old feelings rushed back. I was so anxious, Jonathan. Thank you so much.
2: I loved this trailer. (laughs) I did not expect to love it because I enjoyed the first scream. I liked the second Mm -hmm. scream. The third Scream, I didn't like very much. And the fourth Scream, I don't even remember. I know I saw it. I saw it in the theater, but I have no real memory of it. Um, I just remember like feeling that, you know, the, the first Scream was essentially a commentary on the slasher film genre, and it was, you know, a deconstruction of slasher films. In fact, that's part of the plot is one of the characters is listing all the rules that you're supposed to follow if you want to survive a slasher film. And, you know, it's, it's a meta commentary on the genre. The further you go in that, the further away you got from the meta commentary. And I don't really sense any real meta commentary in the trailer for this new Scream film. However, Mm -hmm. it does feel like it could be a really scary entry into the slasher film genre, like just a legit slasher movie. Clearly, this is one that's not directed by Wes Craven. He passed away several years ago, but he was the guy who directed the other films. Uh, but it it, I mean, it looks very faithful to the spirit of the Scream franchise. And uh, uh, I dig it. I also love the fact that they played with something that I have had lots of concerns over, that being uh, Wi-Fi connected lock systems.
0: Mm. Yeah, way to, way to make it extra scary nowadays. Uh, <laughs> I felt like this was the Terminator Dark Fate uh, issue of the Scream universe. Uh, what with the main character, Sydney is her name, right? Yes, Sydney. Coming back and kind of being like the tough, seasoned woman, bringing the young people through it. What I found scary was that she was like, I always have a knife. I'm That's a line in the trailer. I'm sorry if I just spoiled it. Like, to me, in my brain, I'm like, she just doesn't care if people get killed. Like, she obviously cares, but it just doesn't phase her. That's scary. That's well, yeah, a whole different that, level of scary maybe other people don't feel.
2: That's also that's also something that is kind of a journey throughout the Scream films, in that you see her change over the course... Because obviously, anyone who's been through a situation that's similar repeatedly is going to start building up a response to that kind of trauma. And um, she definitely develops that sort of, of, uh, perspective over the course of the films. So I felt like it was a very natural progression. Uh, unlike say the recent Halloween reboot where Jamie Lee Curtis comes back as, as Laura Strode and has turned into the paranoid survival freak. Uh, but that, that version of Halloween ignores all the sequels. So it's just the first Halloween and then that one with nothing in between. And so there's a bigger leap that, you you know, you don't see the evolution of the character. Uh, you just see the extremes. And um, with the Scream franchise, you actually see the evolution. Now, granted, that being said, those sequels are not very good. So, or at least yeah. in my opinion, <laughs> they are not very good. They're, they're less effective for me and less entertaining. That's That's well, my own opinion, though. Other people might love them, and that's totally legit.
0: Scream had a very specific shtick that was unique at the time. And the more you do it, the less you can do it. So.
2: Right. Um, and it, it, it does potentially give you the ability to revisit meta commentary in a new way. But as I said, like this trailer didn't give me the feeling that they were doing very much meta commentary at all. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I, yeah. I almost feel like if they had done that, it would have been a mistake. Um I agree. But yeah, this is a great way for us to segue. We're going to take a break And we're going to have a quick conversation about something that may or may not have to do with horror. And I don't want to tell you anything else because I want to keep you in suspense, but we will be right back. Check the backseat. Check the backseat. All right, come here.
0: Can you just can you tell us now, Jonathan? Because like I can't I can't take it.
2: Uh, sure, Ariel. I-, I can tell you that you suggested we talk about whether or not suspense films like suspense stories count as horror. And uh, you know, Thanks my making admission-
0: the illusion.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I wanted. To- I also thought this is an opportunity to make you seem silly, and I never. Yeah, passed no, those It was. Up.
0: It was, I was yes anding. Uh, yes, but. that's true.
2: You were yes anding. And then I was like, deny improv scene <laughs> over. Um, yeah, no, we're gonna, we're gonna talk about suspense and its, and its, and its relationship to horror and whether something, you know, whether suspense is a subcategory of horror. I would argue yeah. suspense is not necessarily a subcategory of horror, but suspense in horror can make horror way more effective for me.
0: I, you know, I, I, I agree that uh, suspense makes horror way more effective. I looked up the definition of horror and horror and it's an intense feeling of fear, shock, or disgust. So I feel like suspense is like that first.
2: Yeah. The fear and the fear
0: and maybe the shock.
2: Shock. You know what's, so here's the, here's some interesting things. Like, first of all, if you go way back to, like, the Boris Karloff days, he he did not like the genre being described as horror. He liked the, the phrase terror pictures, things that were mm-hmm. m- meant to make you feel scared as opposed to horrified. Because you can go the horror route and just do a massive gore fest, right? And there's mm-hmm. nothing particularly artful about it. It can just be excessive and gratuitous and gory. And that counts as horror. It's, it's horrifying. But not necessarily scary in the way that, you know, five days later, you're still talking about it. Like, I think about certain movies I saw that really stuck with me to the point where, like, months later, I would be thinking about them. Uh, The first Blair Witch Project did that to me. And, of course, that was back before that had been overplayed and parodied and turned Mm -hmm. into a meme and all that kind of stuff. When I saw it before all that... Cloverfield. That's a, that was a pretty effective film. Um, I'm trying to think, uh, the changeling, which is a, a 1980 mm-hmm. film with uh, George C. Scott. That one did it to me. Um, and then I think about movies that are, that have moments of suspense that are so intense that you're just aching for the release for that, that moment where the suspense gets, gets unleashed. And, um, like mm-hmm. Quentin Tarantino, is fantastic at that, I think of inglorious bastards. There's a scene in the very beginning of that movie, and it's just a simple interrogation scene and the the uh Christoph Waltz's character is not being particularly over the top threatening, but that makes it even worse and mm-hmm. the longer the scene goes on, the more you're like i need I need something to happen. I need this release because it's it's making my chest feel tight. And I wouldn't call Inglorious Bastards a horror movie by any stretch of the imagination, but that sequence is terrifying. Like you see, it, it, it it hits me harder than a lot of horror movies do.
0: So I agree that it's terrifying. I would say at least the first time I watched a lot of Quentin Tarantino's movies, Kill Bill and Inglorious Bastards, and a couple others. I kind of thought they were on the border of horror because they were very scary and very bloody and gory. And like the scariest movies to me are suspense, suspense movies and maybe that's just because um, I get more invested in them and I also watch more of them mm-hmm. because they tend to have less gore. It's the blood and the guts and things like that that usually makes me think it's horror, which I guess to to Boris, Boris Karloff's... Karloff's um, chagrin that's not what he wanted you know um necessarily
2: Mm -hmm. no and my favorite movies in the genre tend to be more about suspense than they are about gore like i mentioned halloween halloween has a little bit of gore in it the first halloween Mm -hmm. the later entries have more and more in it but the original halloween is really more about suspense. So is Jaws for that matter. Jaws Mm -hmm. is my favorite film of all time. Like that's my favorite movie. It's, it's, horror. (laughs) It is horror. It's a monster movie. It's a, it's a horror movie, but Jaws, the reason why Jaws is really scary is again, that suspense, right? Like you've got a little bit of gore in it, not a whole lot. Most of the, most of the violence happens in a way that you don't really see what's going on. Um, and and in my mind, that makes it scarier because it leaves it to the audience's imagination to fill in the gaps. Um, whereas there are other movies that are in the the gory horror genre that I have an appreciation for, but I don't find them particularly scary. So to me, suspense is absolutely necessary to make a horror movie effective for me. A- a- apart from just like someone's having a-, a grand old time making a gory movie. Like I think of James Gunn's Slither I think that's a really fun horror movie. It is very gory. I don't think of it as being particularly suspenseful or scary.
0: I have not watched Slither, so I would not be able to tell you. Um, it I thought was going to be more horror, and it turned out to be more suspense for me mm-hmm. um because it's scary, but it's 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 very suspenseful. There's not a ton of gore in it. There's some not, not as much as I expected. What do you think about Hitchcock? Is he horror or suspense?
2: I think, I think Hitchcock is suspense that can go into horror. Like psycho, I would argue is a, is more of a horror movie than say an action film. Like I think of suspense as being a subcategory that can belong to a couple of different major categories. So mm-hmm. suspense, you like you could have horror suspense or you could have, drama or action suspense. I think of Quentin Tarantino as more in the action suspense category and Hitchcock generally more in the horror suspense. Uh, I think it was Hitchcock who actually said the art of suspense is you set up something that the audience knows has to happen. And then you hold off from ever letting that happen for as long as possible. And preferably you don't have it happen at all. You have something else happen. You subvert the expectations of the audience to, uh, to release the tension, but it's all about you set up something and the audience knows the characters in the scene may or may not know. And you have that go as long as you can before you allow for a release. And when it's done well, that is, it is truly incredible.
0: Mm-hmm. I Not, agree. not I agree.
2: necessarily enjoyable, <laughs> but incredible. No, <laughs>
0: no. Um, you know, along similar lines, if you look at the Twilight Zone. I, kn- I know that you've got series that are similar to it that are very specifically horror. If you look at Creepshow um, yeah. or Tales from the Crypt, those things are, are very, sp- like they're modeled after Twilight Zone, I believe they came out after, and but they're specifically horror. But Twilight Zone was scary enough to me and upsetting enough to me and disturbing enough to me most times that I still considered it horror. I do like Twilight Zone, but-
2: uh, um, Twilight Zone's interesting too, because that I think of it very Pulp- E. And, you know, if you look at the old pulp magazines from like the 40s, they spanned a couple of different genres. You had your horror, you had your adventure, you had your science fiction. If you want, if you look at the original season of Twilight Zone, there are entries in that that fall more into the science fiction category than mm-hmm. horror. There, There's actually a Western or two in that first season. Um, so like there, there are a couple that, like the the binding tissue in Twilight Zone mm-hmm. is usually that there's some sort of twist. There's some sort of thing where um, there's, you know, characters believe one thing is going on. It turns out something mm-hmm. else is going on. And usually it doesn't end well for whoever the main character is. Um, so. Like, I would say a lot of Twilight Zone fell into the horror category, but there were also ones that I would I would probably describe more as being like science fiction or even Western, like I said. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I think it just depends.
0: Yeah. Another another show that comes to mind with that, but it's kind of the reverse of it, which is uh, to me, which is Lovecraft Country, which we only got one season of. But that was specifically week to week, different kinds of horror. So it was mainly horror, so a little bit of science fiction or a little bit of pulp in there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but it was, it was interesting to watch the various kinds of it. It kind of helped me. Uh, a lot of it was very suspenseful. Uh, I was on the edge of my seat quite a bit. And then a lot of it was just gory but because it's Lovecraft. But um, it kind of really helped me determine what sorts of horror I like. Mm -hmm. And realize that there are so many different subcategories. Because originally when I thought, you know, I'm like, to me, horror is suspense because it's so scary and I'm involved in the story. Mm -hmm. And then I'm like, and then there's gore. (laughs) Right. And that's a completely different category to me. So that was, it was very illuminating. I guess there's also,
2: there's also like the weird fiction subcategory of horror, right? Like this would be the kind of stuff that I would describe HP Lovecraft's work. I think falls into that category. This is the almost sort of the mythological elements that you can see in horror where you get into those elements where something otherworldly is happening uh, potentially with powers that are far too great for us to comprehend. And there are whole subcategories of that as well, um, including some pretty decent movies that fall into that. So I like those because they're imaginative, like, I would even say the movie Mandy with Nicolas Cage kind of falls into that category. It has almost sort of this weird fiction element to it. It is also, by the way, intensely gory. So if gore's not your thing, don't watch Mandy. But, um, noted. It, it to me, it, Mandy kind of feels like if the Coen brothers decided they wanted to make a very intense horror movie. Mandy is the kind of movie they would make. It has some wild outlandish, almost cartoonish characters. It's got an amazing performance from Nicolas Cage, which I don't say very frequently. Um, you know, he and it, gets a and, bum
0: rap a lot of times.
2: He, well, he also, he earns it sometimes. But um, I, I recommend that movie for people who, who don't mind the fact that there is definitely gore in it. I mean, there's a chainsaw fight at one point. So... It's pretty awesome. I
0: will not watch Mandy, but that's not much of um, a loss because I didn't know it existed before right now.
2: (laughs) Oh, wow. It's so good. It's so good.
0: Well, you know, I've watched, and I haven't watched Color Out of Space with Nicolas Cage either, Mm -hmm. uh, going back to Lovecraft and and interesting things. But I've watched plenty of his stuff. I've watched A Vampire's Kiss, and that was horrific enough for me, (laughs) whatever that movie is called. I'm a vampire.
2: <laughs> I you know, it's until I get you to watch Stranger Things, I've given up all hope of getting I've you to watch Stranger Things. Me. Oh, did I've you? I, all
0: thought,
2: of it. I thought you all were I thought you were terrified and you'd refuse to watch it.
0: I was terrified. I refused to watch it alone. And then over the pandemic, I was like, "Tony, could you just please just give it another shot cuz I need to like, give it three episodes because I can't watch it alone. And he did. And then he was like, fine. And by the, the end of the third, he was like, he liked the second season the best, I think. Yeah. Uh, which is interesting because uh, I know some people who like third best, some people who like first best, depending on the progression. But he's he begrudgingly watches it now.
2: <laughs> then there's still some hope. Maybe one day I'll convince you to watch Mandy. I, I I can sit next to you and tell you when the scary parts are coming up.
0: Maybe that'll work. I I have to watch shining first. That's higher.
2: Oh, yes. Oh, that's the shining. Also great movie with some good suspense in it too. All right. Well, we've been, we've been rambling about this for far too long. (laughs) We have to take a break. When we come back, we will get to our mashup, which involves a beloved Halloween tradition for some, though not necessarily (laughs) for us. And um, some some fun little cartoony characters from from the past. But we'll get to that after this quick break. tika.com.
1: My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community.
0: Support the Asian community Learn how at lovehasnolabels
1: dot com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council.
0: All right, welcome back. As Jonathan said, a little bit grumbly, we're doing a mashup with something that a lot of people like, but neither Jonathan nor I watched it when it came out, which is Hocus Pocus, and so we don't quite have that nostalgic love for it like I have for The Great Pumpkin.
2: yeah, I even did a whole video where I talked about how I did not particularly care for that movie. <laughs> so mm-hmm. so that so my my thoughts on Hocus Pocus are published on the Internet. But what's the other one that we're mashing up? Powerpuff Girls. Ah, Yes, I was a fan of Powerpuff Girls when it first premiered. I, I but to be clear, I only ever watched that original series. I didn't watch either of the other two that came out. And of course, we're still wondering whether or not we'll ever get that live action series that was teased for a while.
0: They're saying they're in rewrites that it hasn't gone completely away. So we'll have to see. So if you're not familiar with Hocus Pocus or the Powerpuff Girls, we're going to give you a quick rundown. And since Jonathan, I'm sure, has watched more Powerpuff Girls than I have, I will tell you about Hocus Pocus, Uh, which is uh, there are some witches and they gain their youth by and and their power by sucking the youth from children. And they do that back in the 1600s and they turn a kid into a cat. And then they're kind of reawoken in the early nineties, by a brother and sister who moved to Salem from California. And it's just a bunch of Disney hijinks of these three witches chasing after these kids and trying to, uh, suck their youth to gain power and beauty and youth themselves. And, Um, It's action-y and it's cutesy and it's, you know, it's not very scary. It's a Disney movie. Uh, Doug Jones is the best part of it. He plays the head witch who is played by Bette Midler, Winifred Sanderson's uh, old lover who she got mad at and sewed his lips shut and turned him into a zombie. And he is absolutely phenomenal. But Doug Jones is usually absolutely phenomenal. So Uh,
2: I I agree with that assessment. Yeah, the movie has like the thing that I always see posted on Facebook is there's a bit where Uh, Bette Midler, as Winifred sings, I put a spell on you, um, which I mean, of course, she sings in the movie. If Mm -hmm. you've got Bette Midler and you don't have her sing, what are you even doing? Well, Um, they've also got
0: Sarah Jessica Parker, who is also a great singer. That's
2: true. She she played. Hey, she also played a character called Winifred.
0: Yes. Once upon a mattress.
2: (laughs) Yes, she did. So uh, but not not in Hocus Pocus. She plays Sarah in Hocus Pocus. And, um, uh, Kathy Jenny is Mary in Hocus Pocus and she's, uh, she's actually in another iHeart podcast coming up 13 days of Halloween, which season two premieres on October 19th. And she is a primary character in that. So you should definitely check out that series when it goes live. If you listen, you to should the also check thing, it out.
0: Because Jonathan's in it. Ha That's I stole what your I was,
2: thunder. Uh, Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna, I was gonna do that. But yeah, I'm in it too. So um yes. Powerpuff Girls, yeah, let's talk about that real quick. So Powerpuff Girls is this this uh, adventure comedy cartoon series that uh follows the the adventures of of uh Blossom Bubbles and Buttercup, three young girls who were created in a lab accident. Uh, their their creator, Professor Utonium was trying to create three perfect little girls with sugar, spice, and everything nice, but accidentally dropped Chemical X into the mix and thus produced the Powerpuff Girls who have superpowers, and they go around trying to do good while also getting into shenanigans and learning valuable lessons on the way. And it's a very cheeky, uh, tongue-in-cheek kind of series and adorable uh, though, again, I've only watched the 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 original run of Powerpuff Girls, mm-hmm. not not either of the other incarnations. So those are the two that we're mashing together. Ariel, who do you want to go first?
0: Um, I don't know. Who do you want to go first?
2: Well, there's only one way to decide this, Ariel, and we're doing it over a video link, which means there's going to be a bit of a lag. So we have to both promise. In fact, I say we're going to close our eyes. We're going to do paper, rock, scissors, and then we'll report on who what each person did. OK.
0: Quality listening, folks. Yes. Yeah.
2: All right. So trust us. We're going to we're really doing this for reals. Ready? Okay. close your eyes. One, two, three. Shoot. And she did paper. I did scissors. Oh, you
0: go first. Wait, do you go first or last? I guess guess I go first or
2: last. You know what? We didn't decide. (laughs) Curses, the classic foible. All right. Tell you what, I'll go first. We'll take a quick break and then you'll go second. Does that sound good? Okay. All right. Sounds good. Mine. And I, I have no idea if this is going to be the same title as yours, but there's a good chance. Mine is called. The Power Puff Witches.
0: Nope, not the same.
2: OK. <clears throat> Professor Utonium has a problem. His formula of sugar, spice, and everything nice has failed to produce the perfect little girl, and he's fresh out of Chemical X. As a result, he's left power puffless. Science having failed him, he naturally turns to the supernatural. And fortunately, he happens to have this old grimoire sitting around, and a black candle at the ready. He lights the black candle, and having lived a rather chaste existence, because he's had little luck in wooing either Ms. Sarah Bellum or Ms. Keen, and Sedusa hasn't taken an interest in him yet, a prophecy ends up being fulfilled. And that prophecy relates to a spell that was cast in haste several hundred years earlier when three witches were attempting to escape capture. See, we have this quick flashback to 1693. 1693. Three witches capture a young girl, they cast a spell, they're draining her of vitality, and the witches become younger and more powerful in the process. But then we see the townsfolk descend upon these witches, and they capture them and sentence them to death. And Winifred, the leader of the witches, thinks quickly and casts off one last spell that will allow the witches to return in the future, cheating death once a virgin lights the black candle. And as I've already mentioned... Professor Utonium has really only had time for science. Anyway, we flash forward to the present, and Utonium lights the black candle, it fulfills the prophecy, and Utonium's mixture of sugar, spice, and everything nice, combined with the spell cast centuries earlier, results in a flash, and we get the Powerpuff witches, Sarah, Mary, and Winifred. The three young witches, they're just tiny little girls, have no real memory of their previous lives, but they do retain their witchy powers. As a result, the trio become a sort of super-powered source of mayhem in the town of Townsville, frequently causing the mayor of the town to flip his lid in frustration. When pies suddenly animate at the local bake sale, it's the Powerpuff Witches. When all the brooms in town show up outside Utonium's house, it's the Powerpuff Witches. When the local pet cemetery suddenly has a lot of vacancies, well, it's the Powerpuff Witches. But Utonium, the loving sap that he is, remains protective of his adopted daughters. He does his best to raise them right, even going so far as to pretend he likes liver and onions in order to get them to eat it. Winifred, for the record, loves liver and onions. But our story really focuses on the girl's first Halloween. As Townsville prepares for a big Halloween party, Utonium is concerned. His former lab assistant, Jojo, is the reason Newtonium didn't have any Chemical X. See, Jojo stole the Chemical X and then broke the vial by accident, and the resulting reaction produced Mojo Jojo, a mad scientist intelligent chimpanzee, and Mojo Jojo plans to turn all of Townsville into mindless zombies at the big Halloween party. The Powerpuff witches, meanwhile, are cavorting in the cemetery when Winifred sees a particular gravestone that gives her pause, as if she's remembering something from a past life. The gravestone reads, Billy Butcherson, and she suddenly feels the impulse to cast a spell, resurrecting the poor fellow. And what emerges is a zombified man with his mouth sewn shut. The Powerpuff witches are delighted to have a new friend, and so they cavort amok in the cemetery. Amok, amok, amok. Mojo Jojo, meanwhile, sets up a perch high in the town hall in preparation for the Halloween dance. He's installing a mind control device in the sound system. After being exposed to music for enough time, the residents will become mindless zombies. Then they will rush out and buy Mojo Jojo's new single, Bad Guy Blues, and that'll give him the money he needs to propel himself toward world domination. The girls, zombie in tow, head to the town hall. And there, just as things start going, as people really start to get into the groove and as Mojo Jojo sees his plan beginning to work, the Powerpuff witches jump up on stage and they do this weird version of I Put a Spell on You. And it's like super weird because they're little girls. And really, that song's all about enchanting someone so that they're in love with you. But whatevs. Mojo watches all his plans seem to go sideways, with Winifred actually taking over instead of Mojo. So Mojo jumps down out of the rafters, and what follows is a crazy battle between Mojo Jojo, the Powerpuff Witches, and Billy Butcherson. During the fight, Butcherson gets blasted with a ray of weird energy from Mojo Jojo, and he collapses, lifeless again. Mary and Sarah find themselves busy trying to take down Mojo Jojo, while Winifred does her best to retrieve her grimoire, which she believes contains the perfect spell to banish the mad chimp. Ultimately, we see Professor Utonium show up at the town dance, grimoire in hand, and he chides the witches on misbehaving, and he points out, that's not how I raised you, and with the power of science and magic, he recites a spell that seems to reverse time, bringing us back moments before the original experiment. The Powerpuff Witches are gone. Mojo Jojo is gone. Things are back to normal, but not totally normal. They seem a little different, as if we haven't really gone back in time, so much as we shifted to a slightly different reality. Now, in this reality, Utonium retrieves the Chemical X before Jojo can secretly steal it, And he puts the Chemical X on a very high shelf. And then we see the experiment play out again, with Chemical X accidentally falling into the mix and creating Bubbles, Blossom, and Buttercup. Uh, And Mojo Jojo. And the timeline has been restored. But as we conclude, the camera pans back across the cemetery. And we stop at a grave, and we've seen this grave before, and we actually see the ground moving a bit, and as the camera pans back, we reveal that what had been Billy Butcherson's grave now has a different tombstone, and it just reads, HIM. Suddenly, a lobster claw breaks through the ground, and we go to blackout. Credits. The end.
0: (laughs) I really liked that, Jonathan. I... Our mashups could almost be companions,
2: but they aren't. I look forward to hearing this companion, but not really peace after we come back from this last break.
1: Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. All
0: right, we're back. And my mashup is called Hocus Pocus Sugar and Spice. So uh, here we go. The year was 1998 five years since the fateful day a young boy and his younger sister defeated and killed the evil tree of the sanderson sisters five years since the boy and his sister took the witches for dead and let the traumatic events fade into a distant memory five years since the three witchy sisters let their consciousnesses fade into oblivion it was 1998 five years to the day when the sanderson sisters were summoned once more through their grimoire this time they thought by the devil himself a large, clawed, <laughs> red bloke with a pointy black beard. It's him, shouted Mary Sanderson, and she started to bow. The others two, other two followed suit. Who's not going to bow to the devil himself? Him was confused how the three knew who he was and surprised that his plan was going to be so easy. Oh, his plan, you ask? Yeah, well, as he described it to the Sanderson sisters... He knew about their plights. You see, one of him's hobbies was recent Salem, Massachusetts history. He knew the witches needed children's youth to run amok, and he had three young girls he wanted to get rid of. Winifred stepped up and respectfully declined, stating that getting killed by kids once, oh, maybe twice, uh, she didn't know it was so long ago, was plenty enough. Their youth wasn't worth it, and it was too fleeting anyhow they'd rather be sent back to oblivion. But that's when him explained to these sisters that they weren't just any girls. They were supergirls. Well, not supergirls, because they weren't supergirl, but they were super... <sighs> okay. They had superpowers. They were the Powerpuff Girls. The witches could drain their youth and then would stay young forever and also gain superpowers themselves and be undefeatable. The promise of such power was too much for the sisters to decline, and so they agreed to make the Powerpuff Girls the next victims. The Sanderson sisters hopped upon their brooms and other devices and hastened to find Bubbles, Buttercup, and Blossom. They did find them, pretty quickly. You see, the three were fighting abra and the battle was making such a raucous that the people from miles around could hear it. Winifred saw abra and he reminded her of her ex, so it was love at first sight. Great thought, Winifred. I'll get my youth and a new flame. Everything's going my way. But that thought didn't last, as moments later, abra was blasted into space by the children. Winifred charged into battle, and her sisters followed, a little confused. Usually they had a bit more tact to their plans, uh, but they were in it now. It was a crazy battle of brooms and vacuums and fireballs and ice breath. Blossom shouted, Don't you know you can never beat us? And the three girls blasted the three old witches into space as well. No one knows what happened to the Sanderson sisters. Or Zombie. Maybe they're on a distant planet plotting their return. Maybe they're waiting to be summoned in another five years by whomever finds the grimoire next. Stay tuned for another daring adventure.
2: <laughs> I, I really enjoyed that. That was fun. Thank you. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to say that either of our mashups are more fun than the original Hocus Pocus. I'll just say I enjoyed them more.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was certainly uh, more exhilarating to write than to watch it.
2: Uh, Yeah, to be fair, again, as Ariel said earlier, neither she nor I saw this movie when we were like kids, which is most of the people I know who have a deep love for this film. That's when they saw it, right? They saw it as a Mm -hmm. child. And so they have this attachment to a movie that they loved as a kid. And I get that. Like there are movies that I loved as a kid that I still enjoy as an adult, where at least on some level I look at and I think you know, this isn't really that good, but because I have that nostalgic Mm -hmm. attachment to it, I still love it. So I get it. Um, And I'm not even saying that Hocus Pocus isn't good. It just didn't click with me. I think part of the problem also was just that after just seeing endless posts referencing Hocus Pocus, I thought it was going to be some like truly incredible piece of children's, Mm -hmm. you know, entertainment and it's just, it's just okay. It's not bad. It's just okay.
0: I I agree. I was was about to say, I don't have quite the same hate for Hocus Pocus as you do, but hate is not the right word. Uh, It's, it's a good movie. It just was oversold uh, to someone who didn't watch it until they were maybe too old to really relate to the main heroes of the story.
2: I, I get it. Like if I were to have a conversation with someone about the movie, big trouble in little China, and they had never seen it, and I gushed about how much I loved it, and then I showed it to them, I suspect they would have a very similar reaction to that movie, which I maintain is still a very entertaining film, but again, like, if I saw it for the first time now, I might not think it's as great as I as I mm-hmm. actually do, because, you know, I saw it when I was much younger, so yeah, you know, it's It's one of those things. And uh, we're going to wrap this episode up. If you have any suggestions for things we should mash up together, or perhaps you have your own mashup of Powerpuff Girls and uh, Hocus Pocus, and you've just been dying to share it with the world and you've had no venue. Now is your chance, my friend. You can send us an email. The email address is lnc at iheartmedia.com.
0: You can also reach out to us on social media if that's more your jam. Uh, on Instagram, where Large nerdron Collider, also we're that on Facebook, Large at Large Nerdron Collider, and on Twitter, we're LNC underscore podcast. I threw myself for a loop because I did that in the wrong order, um, but yeah, reach out to us. We would love to chat with you and hear your ideas on anything and everything.
2: Yes, we look forward to continuing the conversations. Uh, we've been receiving some fun messages and we really appreciate it. And obviously, as always, we we beg to you on bended knee that if you like this show, share it with friends, you know, leave a review if you haven't already. Uh, and, you know, talk us up to folks who might enjoy it, because the more the merrier, as they say. Um, and I, I think I think that's I think that's everything think for that's this episode. It. Yeah, let's wrap it up like a mummy. OK, I, I got gotcha. you. All right. <clears throat> and until next time. I have been Jonathan, blur, blur, Strickland.
0: We have a been ever available. Swa saving, cast living. The Large Collider is a production of iHeartRadio and was created by Ariel Kasten. Jonathan Strickland is the executive producer. This show is produced, edited, and published by Tari Harrison. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
2: Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived.